to make Rackers feel safe and feel better uh, about the community that we were going to move into, there was talk about let's let's build a wall and keep our stuff safe. The builders costed it out, and it was going to be about a million dollars to build this wall. And and when Graham heard that figure and just the philosophy behind it, he said, "We are not that company. We're a company." Uh, we don't build walls, we build bridges. And as we succeed, we're going to bring this community up with us. Well, I'm really excited for you to hear today's program. You see, it's all about the journey that Rackspace undertook when moving into a little less desirable part of San Antonio when we established the new corporate headquarters. Now, this is all from a book that Karen Nichols wrote, and I've got her here on the program today, and it's called The New Corporate Citizen. And it and it details the journey that we took through this whole process, which ultimately became a pattern that that other corporations are following. So I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. Make sure that you stick around to the very end after the interview. I've got some important information for you back there. And if you're not already a subscriber, well, while you listen, it's a great time to do that. You can find this podcast anywhere podcasts are found. All right, let's get on with today's episode, which brings Kara Nichols and her book, The New Corporate Citizen, to Cloud Talk line between application and infrastructure is virtually invisible in these modern apps. The kind of thing that a global computing fabric with immense resilience and scale can deliver without even breaking a sweat. That's really what the promise of the cloud's always been. It's all focused on the business objectives. That's where we craft the plan. In the tech world, we like to celebrate the lone genius, but I'm just going to tell you right now, they're just the convenient face as founders to focus on. Welcome to Cloud Talk. Here's your host, Jeff DeVerter. Well, as many of you know, this podcast is part of the Rackspace Solve Thought Leadership Program. And as such, well, I really go out of my way here to make sure that you aren't sold to. Uh, That's going to be just a little bit different today, though. But I'm not here necessarily to sell you cloud or tech or something like that, but on an idea. Now, this idea is one that's personified in her new book, which today's guest, Kara Nichols, wrote called The New Corporate Citizen. And it's the idea that as our businesses succeed, our community should succeed as well. Now, even as I make that statement, it almost sounds trite or obvious because we're thinking to ourselves, well, come on, we, we, you know, our businesses are in our communities and we make our money and we pay our taxes and the government should filter all that money down to our, our neighborhoods and our schools as we would expect. And while that's true, I think what you'll learn today is that there are no problems in a community that a simple check would solve. And with that, Kara, I want to welcome you to Cloud Talk. Thank you. So happy to be here. Glad you're here. It's so good to see you again. You are a longtime racker, but on to new and fun things. Yes. Yeah. Um, Have such a such a wonderful chapter of my life that that revolved around Rackspace. So yeah, Uh, happy happy to have had that that shared moment. Well, and as I've read the book, it was so fun because because of what we're going to talk about today really kind of parallels a lot of the growth of Rackspace starting in those early years. And it was great to get to relive a lot of those um, those memories through the book. Um, but uh, but why a book? Why a book on corporate um, philanthropy? Uh, so, you know, I looked after the Rackspace Foundation for roughly a dec- decade and um 
when we first started, when I first started Enroll, the foundation was just a baby organization. Mm. And uh, I, I can wholeheartedly and candidly say that none of us had experience in this. We had not done any kind of community revitalization before. And so uh, I wrote the book that I wish I had had at that time. Um, but also, you know, once I was really into the work and kind of toward, toward the end of my time at Rackspace, kept getting um, asked to share, like, how did you guys do this? And what's the, t- you know, tell us how to do what you do. How do you create the Rackspace model? And so I thought, you know, the best way to scale this message is let's, let's just put it in a book and I'll open source it out to the world. I love that. I love that so much. And there was so much. I mean, when you stand back these 10 or so years into it and look back at, at um, what Girls Start or at the Good Samaritan Community Services or Gemini Link or our involvement in the Youth Orchestra of San Antonio or Communities and Schools or even the College Advisor Corps, all programs that, that, that were part of the portfolio of our community involvement. I mean, it's a substantial thing to look back at and, and wonder, how did this whole thing start? Yeah, it was. Um, it, it is a very rich portfolio today, um, and it started really very humbly um, when we moved into the to the castle, as it's known. Uh, we reached out to the community, the the schools, in fact, and said, you know, we want to we want to be good neighbors here. How can we help? And it started very humbly with, you know, can you build us a community garden? Can you paint a mural on this wall? Can you? you know, help us get ready for back to school. And over time, we realized, you know, those things are great and we don't want to stop doing those things, but how can we really um, use use the Rackspace Foundation as a lever in this community? I love it. And I think maybe a great way to kind of paint the picture, maybe from a more personal perspective would be maybe tell Quentin's story. You tell it in the book. And, and I think it really personifies, you know, a Racker uh, community experience. Yeah. So Quentin, oh my gosh, I am so proud of Quentin. He's a kid that um, we connected with through um, Big Brothers, Big Sisters when he was in middle school. And uh, he created a, or or through our mentorship program, um, he was connected with a racker named Grant. And um, Quentin and Grant stayed connected um, even though our relationship with Big Brothers Big Sisters fell away, it was picked up by another organization called Communities and Schools, and so they continued their mentoring uh, relationship all the way through. You know, well, they're still connected today. But Grant saw Quentin through college, and wow. Quentin's one of those kids that he he just had a sense uh, early on that he didn't want to want to be trapped in his circumstances like many of the kids and adults that that he was surrounded by and he, he knew he wanted something else for himself. And, um, you know, he, he's very upfront in his story when he talks about how it was a struggle. Like he, he wanted to give up many, many, many times. And he's shouldering a bunch of problems that are probably more, um, burdensome than any child could, could expect to carry. Um, but he, through his perseverance and Grant's mentorship and and just connection and belief in him, he was able to graduate from college. Um, he, you know, he was in the band in college. I mean, he just has this this story of of 
being the kid that that didn't give up and and look at the results of his life because of it. And Grant's also, you know, Grant's no slouch. So he right. uh, he he you know made sure that that Quentin stayed on the right path. And and he's such an empathetic guy. And um, yeah, really really served a huge role in Quentin's life and still does. Well, and as someone might listen to that without necessarily having context of the neighborhood, you know, it sounds like, hey, you had you had you had a kid who went to college. What's what's the story? Let's let's paint that 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 Windcrest, that northeast part of San Antonio, the neighborhood. You talk about the castle. That's Rackspace's corporate headquarters. We moved into this this what was defunct mall called Windsor Park Mall. So we of course labeled it the castle, and uh, and it was it was defunct for a lot of different reasons, but the whole area big economic decline. Paint a picture about the schools, about the neighborhoods. Yeah. So um, it is a dense community. So right around the area of the castle, we have roughly 8,000 kids attending the seven schools that we um, adopted. Um, The kids come from very low-income families generally. Um, Some of our schools have as many as 100% of kids on free and reduced lunch. Um, They're they're dealing with homelessness. They're dealing with food instability. They're dealing with, uh, you know, obviously lack of resources, trauma. Um, It's it's not known as the the greatest side of town. And when Rackspace decided to move its headquarters, there was a lot of controversy about that um, just in, in Racker's minds because you know, it was, we're, what we're moving, we're in this hyper growth stage and we're moving to a dead mall on the wrong side of town. That, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. (laughs) If you knew Graham, it made perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. And so we got in and, and, you know, when you drive along Waltham road, you see, um, title loans, pawn shops, um, cash America type place, fast food joints, um, a few mom and pop places, um, but generally it's, it, it's the type of establishment that you would see in any low income neighborhood in the country. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's a bit rough. Well, and it, it, you mentioned it, it put some question marks in, in Racker's minds as far as you know, even safety is concerned. It was one of the reasons the mall had originally even closed. And, um, and so there was a question, you know, as the, as the architects were doing the work to design what the, the new interior would look like, and it does not look anything like a mall anymore inside there. But there was a question about, do we, do we even erect a wall around this uh, facility? And, um, and you and Graham had some interesting conversations about that. Yeah. So um, in order to make Rackers feel safe and feel better uh, about the community that we were going to move into, there was talk about let's, let's build a wall and keep our stuff safe and keep our you know cars safe. And, uh, they, the builders costed it out and it was going to be about a million dollars to build this wall. And, and when Graham heard that figure and just the philosophy behind it, yeah. he said, we are not that company. We're a company. Uh, we don't build walls, we build bridges. And as we succeed, we're going to bring this community up with us. So that was the impetus of creating the Rackspace foundation. Um, you know, it was, it was, we're not going to, isolate ourselves off here and, and we want to be true citizens of this neighborhood. So, um, so you come in to, to, to help shepherd this program. I'm assuming, you know, lots of uh, advanced degrees in, in community development on your side then? Yes. Yes. Tons. All of my PhDs. Yes. 
Uh, no, I actually have no uh, background in community development. And uh, I, I can wholeheartedly say that, you know, Graham took a chance on me. I had, I had some background and experience with working with nonprofits, but um, definitely not on the scale of the Rexby's foundation. And um, that's intimidating to step into something that, that can impact so many lives um, and not have the, the formal pedigree. But um, what I found is that when you have the heart for the work, and you just go in with an open mind and open ears, yeah. you will be able to build anything with a community if you listen to listen to its constituents, listen to the the homeowners, listen to the renters, listen to the parents and the, the kids themselves, um, listen to the business owners and find out what it is that the community needs and how you can plug in. Yeah, because it's, it's, first of all, it's like I mentioned earlier, it's not just a check because a check sometimes just makes work. Um, it takes people to actually execute against some of that stuff. And and you make the point in the book that, uh, especially in the beginning, we're outsiders in the community. We're the, we're the new kids on the block. And just as in any relationship like that, there's trust that has to be developed. There's a lot to be learned. How was that process for Rackspace? You know, uh, there was some skepticism when we first moved in. And I would say that... Um, that skepticism was underpinned by the um, by the mall itself because it was this beacon of economic activity for this neighborhood, right. and then the you know stores started closing down and there was some gang violence and um, then the the anchor stores moved out and so you have this shell of a building that's a reminder of what once was mm-hmm. and you have these newcomers especially a tech company right. you know coming in and saying, we want to help here, there was definitely skepticism and sort of like, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. And the the schools, I think, had not, well, I know, had not been approached with this kind of partnership before. So they were um, along for the ride, but mm-hmm. cautious, definitely cautious, because, you know, there are times when funders can come in and say, I want this program and I want it delivered in this way. And, you know, here's the check and go make it happen. And it is really to bolster what the funder wants and not truly what the community needs. And so I think the schools were probably on the lookout for that kind of behavior. Yeah, they were uh, a little, a little at, not at ease, but they were cautious to see how much, how much command and control was going to be there. Yeah, and also it's you know we'll, we'll see how long. Maybe maybe this happened for a year, uh, but we'll see what happens next year. You know, uh, they, they were they were cautious. So uh, so we ultimately adopted these these seven schools as you call them the magnificent seven, and uh, and as you you know you honestly say you know this is an area that you don't have tons of experience in but uh, you know to your credit a lot of smarts in how you partnered with people who did have those PhDs talk about the the partnership with with the universities in San Antonio yeah so um, we got to a point a couple of years in where we knew we were doing really good work and everyone was um, pleased with how the foundation had had turned out and how it was working. And um, I, I had this nagging sense of, are we really doing anything? What is the impact of what we're yeah. doing? And, and are we 
like all of the programs that we stood up, they were based on anecdotal evidence. Mm-hmm. Can we get empirical evidence that shows that we're serving in the right areas? And um, so someone on my team, Annie Vu, who many records uh, know and love, um, she is a Trinity University alum and through the newsletter had had come across Dr. Christine Drennan, who's the Department of Urban Studies um, head at, at Trinity University. And uh, she said, you know, I think we we can reach out to Dr. Drennan and let's see if if this is something that she could help with. And, mm-hmm. and so we reached out and Dr. Drennan, you know, in the same fashion as where we were coming from and where the schools were coming from and where everybody was coming from, she was sort of like, whoa, this is new and interesting. And (laughs) (laughs) what's happening over here. (laughs) I'd love to point you to some other resources who have done this before, but the funny thing is no one has. And so, yeah. So she was like, you're, you're charting new water here. So Um, just, just to really put a point on that meaning an, or a, a business has moved into a neighborhood and now wants to adopt these schools and help grow the, the, the neighborhood in ways that the community one will adopt, they'll 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 rally behind, uh, and, and it, it hadn't been done before. Hadn't been done before. Incredible. So similar Leave to a company space. Moving, <laughs> similar to a company moving into a dead mall, hadn't been done before. Good point. Good point. <laughs> so, um, but she was game. She was really excited about the potential, and so she said, "She said, let me think about this and come up with an idea." So ultimately, what she came up with was having her seniors. Um, each semester pick up a piece of the research and, the, and over the semesters it would build upon each other and they would do essentially um, qualitative and quantitative research, uh, learning about the community, learning about what the community has in its corner, what are the assets and, and what are the areas of opportunities that we could invest in. And so after this multi-year study, they came back and said, you know, here is our recommendations. And like, like you were saying, it wasn't just cut a check because one of the biggest recommendations at the elementary, the middle and the high school level was they needed positive adult role models. That's Mm. not something that a check is going to solve. And so that's, that's part of how we stood up this mentoring program that I mentioned with Grant and Quentin. And, um, you know, we thought, well, we have people and, you know, a whole lot of them in that building, a whole lot of them, they're gainfully employed. So, you know, how can we be those positive role models for these kids? How can we, you know, be in the schools more? Um, so that Trinity study was, was really what solidified the programs that we had invested in and said, yes, we are continuing to do the right things, Mm -hmm. but it was, let's also add things like mentorship. Let's add things like, um, opportunities for high school kids after they graduate that are outside of the college box and outside of the military box. So are there vocational trainings that they can, um, that they can have access to? And then we created internships, you know, and so the kids from, from the engineering and technology Academy at Roosevelt would walk across the street and, and they were interns in Rackspace. Um, so we had a career pipeline going on. What an, an exposure to talk about a, a different world than what they knew in high school or in their their own neighborhoods and in their homes. Um, yes. You know, on a path towards a, a very professional career, probably the first in, in their family's history. Yes. And a cool career. A really a career cool career. You, 
you don't have to wear a, a suit and tie and, you know, you don't have the executives in the mahogany lined offices and you have ping pong tables and, you know, you, you have a coffee shop. Um, just totally eye opening for many of these kids. Right. To be able to see the, the, I use the phrase a lot, art of the possible when I talk about tech, but just the, just the art of the possible of a career and of a life. What a, what an experience. Absolutely. And it opened these kids' eyes to um, the idea of not just being a consumer of technology, but being a creator of technology. You know, somebody, the games that you're playing, somebody had to create those. Somebody had to program those. Somebody had to design. They run on a server somewhere. Exactly. Yeah. Um, And that's not the only way that Rackers would help. But I also want to, before I, well, let's talk about that real quick. And that was that the the amount of languages that were spoken and needed to be supported in the neighborhood, huge number. Um, Huge. But still not all covered. Not all covered. So one of the areas that Trinity highlighted to us as as a real asset in the community is just the amount of diversity. So they they called these kids um, code shifters because they huh. they were just so comfortable working across cultures, across languages. Um, in some cases, you know, across even more of a socioeconomic um, margin than than just low income. And <clears throat> we loved the fact that that diversity was was a strength of the community. But one of the challenges was. Um, there were from time to time, different populations of, um, refugees being resettled in the area. And we had a number of families who spoke languages that, um, Catholic charities, who's the primary, um, organization for resettling refugees, um, did not have access to. And so these teachers and social workers and family specialists were trying to have, you know, parent conferences and the language was just not, I mean, how, how do you go into a parent teacher conference and, you know, sign here? It's like, you don't even know, you know, yeah. what's going on. So they uh, were talking to me about this challenge with the, with the languages. And I said, you know, we have so many employee resource groups at Rackspace. Um, perhaps if you give me a list of those languages, I can check in with those employee resource groups and see if, that's something they could help with. Sure. Well, as it turns out, all of our languages, all of the languages that they that they needed, got covered by um, employees at Rackspace. Incredible. And, um, yeah, and and we had Rackers even saying, you know, I've been in those shoes before, where you're in a new country, and you know, I'm happy to sit in on parent teacher conferences and help translate real time, and you know, I'll I can check, you know notes that are going home to parents, making sure that the nuance is right and making sure that, um, it's culturally appropriate. Incredible that, um, you know, it goes back to the statement I made earlier and it's not always about a check. Now the check is important because these things don't happen without that sort of engagement, but so often it really just comes down to an individual's individual impact in an individual family's life. And that was when, when I look look at, at the, the many things that we, you guys have accomplished and we as Rackspace have done, that's the stuff that really sort of gets excited. And it's those opportunities that we just wouldn't have had that door open to if the, you guys hadn't done that, that hard initial work of, all right, we'll plant a garden and maybe we'll paint a mural and I don't know what's next. Yeah. I don't know what's next. And going in, knowing that 
whatever you're starting with is not going to be the most impactful, but you're building the trust and you're building the relationship and you're building conversations. You know, the, the conversation out of the uh, conversation around the language barrier came from just an informal, you know, I was, I was just happened to be at a school talking with one of the family specialists about like, you know, what's going on, what's different this year. And, and it just happened organically. That's not something that, you know, you can put a, you can't um, read in a survey. You can't, you know, yeah. distill from the science. You just got to be there. You got to be present. And it's not its not something that a nonprofit would necessarily think, I'm going to write a grant request for language barrier assistance. You know, yeah. that's, it's just not uncovering those, those little tiny um, opportunities to make a huge impact. Yeah happened over and over and over with our schools and our nonprofits. Just the opportunity of being present. Incredible. All right, let's get into some of the details here. So um, this is a big, uh, big, big initiative for Rackspace funded by, not by Rackspace corporate though, is it? Funded 100% by Rackers through employee, uh, through uh, payroll deduction. Payroll deduction. So, um, and to date, uh, I think you published in the book, Rackers have given about $5 million to, to to the cause. Yes. Yes. Incredible. So the average donation when I, when I left Rackspace was $16 and 36 cents for paycheck. Yeah. I mean, it's a couple handful cups of coffee that when aggregated can make meaningful changes for a community that's in need. hundred percent it can. So um, how many people uh, at Rackspace look after or have in the past looked after this as a full-time job, as a, as a larger board? Give me some of the, the nuts and bolts of how this thing operates. So um, my role there uh, was at, for the majority of the time, director of community affairs. And um, for the, the last year, it was director of employee experience, which incorporated community mm-hmm. affairs. But the Rackspace Foundation was never part of my official job. It was, uh, <laughs> I was You're not graded. I was not graded on how the Rackspace Foundation was doing. However, um, I felt such a keen response, sense of responsibility because this was Rackers voting with their their own dollars yeah. and, and saying, we believe in this. Um, so I, I, the sense of, of responsibility was just enormous. Um, but I and my tiny team of three at, I think the biggest, sorry, that was my dog. Mm-hmm. Quite <laughs> right. Um, at the, at the largest point, my team was five people. Um, and we all had a, had a part in helping the foundation run, whether it was, you know, balancing the bank account or the, the checkbook, um, you know, making sure that, that, Payroll had deposited it into the foundation account, um, doing site visits, all this kind of stuff that that all the stuff that just needs to be done day to day. But then we had a board um, that that had a fiduciary duty and has a fiduciary duty to ensure the the integrity of the Rackspace Foundation, and that was made up of. Um, in the beginning, it was. A couple of executives and a couple of of rackers from different levels within the organization. Um, we expanded it and grew it. Uh, one of the, the main points of pride there is that you know the board wasn't just executives; it wasn't inaccessible to frontline rackers. Um, you know, every, everyone's 
everyone's opinion matters. And so we wanted to make sure that that was represented in the board. So for an organization that's just getting started, um, you make a couple of, of points of how to get started in the book, and I don't want to give it all away, but but teaming up with other businesses in your, your neighborhood, you don't have to go it alone, uh, especially if you see another one with some success. Get on the success bandwagon and see if you can amplify that message is, is a great way to get started. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that we did, um, because we we were the starting force in this case, um, but we started bringing in other businesses to do this work as well. Mm. And so, um, you know, for example, one time the PTO of a PTO president of one of the schools came to me and said, Hey, you know, would you be able to underwrite funding for, um, a spaghetti and breadsticks dinner with salad? (laughs) (laughs) Generic. (laughs) Imagine what restaurant could provide that. And, uh, yeah, I went, you know, that's funny that you asked for that because the, we have an olive garden in our parking lot. So literally, how about, <laughs> how about we go to Olive Garden and, and tell them like, hey, we already have this thing that's, you know, being stood up. Would you like to be a part of this as well? And let's get HEB involved. And, you know, there were some, um, there was a bank along Walsham Road that also got involved in, in different things. And so it was reaching out to the di- different community partners. We had a YMCA as well. They mm-hmm. were a great partner for us. Um, to make sure that not only was the sense of responsibility not just on Rackspace, but it was getting others to buy in, and it was creating um, it was creating insulation against change. So if something were to happen, there are multiple partners that that these schools and nonprofits can go to to um, ask for help. Very nice. Hey, let's go through. I, I listed them very quickly before, but let's look at some of these more defined programs and you can tell us a little bit more about them and what, what their impact is and what they do. Start with, with Girls Start. What's that? Yeah, Girls Start does um, after school and summer camps for girls at the elementary level that are purely based on STEAM programs. Mm-hmm. So science, tech, engineering, arts, and math. Um, and what they have found is that where girls really fall off the science and math, the STEM uh, bandwagon, if you will, is starting in about third or fourth grade, and then it really dips in in middle school. Okay. So they created an all-girls program to, to really solidify not only these types of thinking in these girls and these skill sets, but... Um, this sense of collaboration and, you know, that being the feeling that, that STEM is, is for girls. STEM is for girls. Um, You know, it's not just the boys and the robots and, you know, it's, it's um, so many different areas that they can look at. So, you know, they would theme out their summer camps around oceanography and then the the kids would have to build um, a system that would, um, collect oil from an oil spill Mm. and how how do they protect the animals and um, learning about, you know, the different um, levels of depths and how light travels through the different levels of, of uh, different sea levels. Um, So just really hands-on, very cool. You know, they had, they had another camp that was all around um, frozen, another one Mm. that was all around um, Harry Potter. So it's really accessible to these girls and it makes it very cool. Well, you um, also make the point in the book that the, any whatever the program is, it still has to be fun. These are still kids. It has to be, has to be fun. Yeah, right. has to be fun. Tell me about um, this one really uh, because of, of how you guys connected or how the program connected families into this, but Gemini Link. 
Gemini oh, yeah, Inc. Excuse me. Yep, Gemini Inc. is a creative writing program um, here in San Antonio, and they have an after-school writing club uh, for kids at our elementary schools. And um, what's really amazing about Gemini Inc. is they were able to tap into um, getting giving kids a new way to express themselves. Yeah. And um, helping them see the connection between music and poetry and writing and ha- having the kids think of themselves as authors. Mm. Um, and, you know, ki- writing is, is sometimes a challenge for kids. Not all kids take to writing and, and creative writing, especially. And so, um, to make that, you know, a fun after school program. And then of course they, provide snacks. And so we help with the food and stability, you know, the, the gap of being mm-hmm. after school to, to hopefully having dinner time um, and creating a community of writers in the schools. And then they would have a big um, production at the end of the school year where they would invite families and we'd this, have this part know, I loved in the story. Yeah. The, the families come and, and listen to the things that their children have written and the kids get, you know, up in front of the audience and they have a microphone, Mm -hmm. which is a really big deal. Very fancy. And then, you know, there's snaps at the end, you know, when the, when the kids have recited Mm -hmm. their poetry and they create an anthology that's published, you know, and Mm -hmm. given out to all the families. So uh, it's a really special program. Um, around something not just yeah, yeah. the individual but the way that it brought families together for those those events and and one brought them together and then really helped help those kids feel special about their their big accomplishments yeah and in, in a lot of cases helping them process trauma so mm-hmm. when you read the pro- poetry of these kids you hear about their um parent that is incarcerated right. you hear about you know the impact of covid on them and how they were you know, confined to being at home and, and the internet's not working. And so they're able to express all of these real challenges. And in many cases, traumas through creative writing. So folks, as you, as I encourage you to go read the book, because it really does give this picture of the fact that one, you don't have to know everything when you start, uh, two, uh, you just have to have a heart for it. And then three, the impact, which you're hopefully picking up through this conversation really is, is, is varied. Um, in some areas, it's the type of impact where you would expect to see. You know, we're trying to engage kids in writing. We're trying to encourage, encourage them up, help them process um, trauma. And then some cases, it's it's the benefit of opportunity. Like you mentioned, just being there and realizing there was a language problem that maybe rack space uh, rackers could do. And that wasn't a check writing activity. It was a, I, I maybe even remember the email you sent out to, to, to all rack space going, does anybody speak this list of languages? Can you help us? Yeah. Out? yeah. So Kara, you've moved on. Um, you're now doing this professionally, helping organizations um, start and manage programs like this, which is incredible. But if you look back on uh, on your time at Rackspace and in the Rackspace Foundation, what are those moments that stick out to you? Is there one or two that that you know when you're having a hard day and you think back on this, it makes it a little bit better? Oh yeah, gosh, um, this is this is kind of random, but it's one that sticks with me. Uh, there was a time when I had to run across the street to Home Depot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was at work, had to go to Home Depot for whatever reason. And I was wearing a Rackspace t-shirt and 
you know, I hear this like, ma'am, 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 you know, from across the Home Depot. And it was apparent. I had no <laughs> idea, you know, who they were just like, oh, you work at Rackspace. It's such a wonderful company. And my child is enrolled in, they were enrolled in Yosa Youth Orchestras at San Antonio. Um, and you've just given my child so many opportunities that they never would have had access to. And we're just so appreciative. And I thought, oh my gosh, they have, you know, tracked me down in a Home Depot just because I had the shirt on, you know, right. um, that one sticks with me because I, you know, it, I see people wearing different t-shirts of things that I think are cool or special all the time. And I don't say anything. Right. Uh, right. So, you know, but what an impact it's made on you. So, so yeah, yeah. get out there and, and thank those folks. <clears throat> yeah. Um, well, and, and, and then, I remember that story. I think you mentioned it in the, in the book and this person was going to get to travel this student yeah. internationally Internationally, would never have had the opportunity to do. Had never been on a plane. Um, you know, m- most of our kids have have not been outside of the area very far, aside from you know a few field trips and and whatnot. Sure. Um, so uh, yeah, they were able to fly internationally to perform with the orchestra. What um, an the, the, yeah, they they selected a different. Um, location each year to go perform, whether it was Prague or, um, Japan or, you know, I mean, unbelievable opportunities for these kids. Unbelievable opportunities. Um, all right. Last then, uh, advice. Somebody's interested, an individual in an organization, do they have to have the big wherewithal? How can an individual get started in an organization? Um, you know, yeah, you definitely don't have to have the, the pedigree and the, the job title, um, a lot of our work at Rackspace started just with gra- grassroots efforts. Mm-hmm. It was people going, you know, we're known for fanatical support or fanatical experience. What if we did that in the community? What would that look like? And um, it caught fire that way in, mm-hmm. in many ways. Um, so I would say just start something, whether it's you going out to volunteer at a food bank or, you know, going knocking on the door of a school next door and saying, you know, Hey, do you guys need mentors? Do you need reading buddies? You know, is there something that I could help with? Um, or perhaps it's, you know, you're, you take your team and do it. Um, I I would say that you're not going to get turned down, (laughs) whatever, (laughs) whatever it is that you want to do there is an organization or an, uh, a neighborhood that needs your help. Um, the other thing I would say is, you can always uh, lean on the thing that you get paid to do yeah. um, and and offer those skills to the community. So, mm. you know, you're a programmer, there's a nonprofit that needs help with their, you know, website or whatever, their, you know, donation platform, whatever. Um, you are in marketing, help design some flyers. You know, you can always take your, your it's called skills-based volunteering, take the thing that you get paid for and apply it to the community. And if you have any other questions, of course, go read uh, Kara's new book. It is, uh, it's inspiring. Uh, It was uh, a fun walk down memory lane for me uh, because I was around a lot of those through that whole timeline. And you, you, you sum the book up um, with a quote from our, our first CEO, um, Lanham. And, uh, and you say, you say that uh, as Lanham used to say, that we sought to make a dent in the universe as Rackspace and through the uh, especially through this program, we did. Yeah, we did. We made a little little dent in the universe. We can all be proud of that. We can. 
Now, my last kind of thing I want to say about that is that just as um, as the program has grown over the years, Rackspace has grown, and we have changed the face of what the the um, uh, the program is and how it interacts and where it interacts. You know, don't expect what what worked yesterday to work tomorrow or to be right for tomorrow. So, I think having an uh, an element of flexibility in what tomorrow holds is probably some some good advice as well. Yeah, absolutely. You got to be, you know, prepared for corporate seasons and, um, you know, tides of change. Um, and I think one of the benefits of this model is that because it's funded by employees, um, it's, it's somewhat insulated from corporate change. It is. Um, you know, it, it's, it's not a, a line item on anybody's budget. Um, so yeah, the, the, the more um, diversity you can build into not only your portfolio, but just how it, how your, your efforts get done um, can, can insulate you against, against potential changes, but also give you um, the ability to pivot. You can pivot, pivot, pivot. Kara, thank you so much for, of course, for all that you, you did for us over the years and, and for the community. Uh, But thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Thank you, Jeff. I so have, I've so enjoyed this. Thank you. This has been Cloud Talk. You can find Cloud Talk wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And be sure to check out more content from Rackspace Solve at solve.rackspace.com. Kara Nichols, The New Corporate Citizen. Guys, this is a book that's a must read. Well, for anybody, but also for especially for any organization that's considering getting into just this type of corporate philanthropy. Not only is it full of great stories and ideas, but it can serve as a model and a textbook for your organization. Well, as always, I want to thank our new sponsor, App Dynamics. Guys, when you think about application observability, this is the company to think of. Go check them out. Well, if you're subscribed to Cloud Talk, you know that you're getting the audio from those live events we do on LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube every single week on Tuesday and Thursday at 8.30 a.m. Now, if you want to be a part of those, guys, just set a reminder and go engage. Actually, join the conversation. It is a true conversation. I've got guests, and you get to interact with me and with them. So I'd love for you to be a part of that. We've got some amazing live episodes coming up, as well as some great ones here, just part of Cloud Talk. So if you're not already a subscriber, I'd love for you to do that. And maybe if you're enjoying these, well, give us one of those five-star reviews. They really do help. Well, folks, until next time, I'm Jeff DeVerter for Cloud Talk.